Good morning, friends. Okay, I'll say it again. Good morning, friends. Good morning. And happy third Sunday of Advent. Wasn't this a beautiful song? I'll tell you, last night, um, it's an amazing night, and you will experience it uh, tonight. Also, those of you who were not there and those of you who just have to come back, You'll experience it again. You know, the first part of last night, they kind of walked through the decades uh, of Christmas, kind of in a fun thing. We had Elvis in the house, I'm just saying. <laughs> and then it kind of honed in or funneled in, not just what happened in the decades, but what is eternally true about our living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we sang about him and we lifted him up and and I want to do that this morning as well in a little bit different way than what we traditionally and normally do. Rather than trying to walk through a text line by line in an expository way, I want to dwell with you this morning, hoping that we all can wonder, just get lost in the person of Jesus Christ and contemplate who he is. One verse in the, this prophet of Isaiah captures in the most magnificent way the majesty and wonder of the one we call our Savior. And I will talk this morning about what it means that the Son is the everlasting Father. And I hope when you leave here, you're filled with wonderment and contemplation. And then next Sunday, maybe as strong in a stronger way on what does it mean that he's called wonderful. Don't miss that. And as you come tonight and invite friends tonight, do the same thing also next Sunday morning. Just one verse from Isaiah 9, verse 6. Four, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty, God, Everlasting, Father, Prince of Peace. I don't think there's a time in the year that is sweeter than just this time. The Advent and the Christmas time has its own very special, unique mood and atmosphere. The contrast between darkness of light is never starker than right now. Many homes have been lit to express that, both inside and outside. And it creates something very special within us, does it not? The message from God's word is doing something very special to us as well. He's coming to us as light. And as we just read here, one at the time, same time, powerful and mighty and humble and weak. He sent the light into this world. Think about, friends, how complex 
and wonderful our Savior, Jesus Christ, is. In one and the same breath, he is called a child and a counselor. He is called the Son and everlasting Father. But this is not really a contrast. Maybe not even a full paradox when we consider who God is, but it is an unfathomable wonder. Just think about it. That he who was limited to a cradle is unlimited in his presence around the world. He was born into time, is the Lord of all eternities. That he who in his divine trinity always carries the name Son is also here called Everlasting Father. I want us to consider, friends, how deep this is. How much this reminds us of the necessity that we study the person, Jesus Christ, with deep care and with depth. We must not imagine that we can understand the fullness of him just by a superficial glance over biblical text. A quick look may save your soul, but it will, it's only the patient and the persistent study of scriptures and involvement in God's word that will fill our hearts and our minds with knowledge about the Savior. Are you able to be gripped by wonderment or by wonder this morning? Wonderful mysteries are hidden in his person. And he talks to us with the most symbol of language and he reveals himself to us right here in our midst. And yet in his person, there's a height and a depth that no human mind can comprehend or even measure. So allow me this morning simply to dwell at our wonderful Savior, the one who is called Everlasting Father. Rejoice, friends. Be glad in the portrait of, that is drawn here of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Can we for a moment, rather than hearing kind of an exposition of what to do and how to understand, just sit at his feet and receive him. not just in a normal way that we so often do to listen to his teaching or even his challenge, but just look at him, who he is. For he's not discovered by simple research, nor is he comprehended just by reason, 
by itself. So deep are the mysteries about our Lord that unless he reveals himself to us, we will not ever know, know him. Even the Lord ourselves is saying that to Peter when he gives his great confession and he responds by saying, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this has not come to you through flesh and blood, but revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. Paul says it like this, when it pleased God to reveal himself to me. No one can recognize Jesus as son of God unless God shows us, shows him to us. He's the door, friends, that no one can open. And when he has opened it, he's the door that no one can shut. He is the one who reveals himself to us as we turn our gaze toward him because he is the only one who gives sight to the blind. Can this be our prayer on the third Sunday of Advent? It's a few days before we receive him as the king who comes. Can it be our prayer that we will know him, that it will be our desire that we may grow in the grace and our understanding of who he is and what it means to call him Savior and Lord. For to know him, Scripture says, is to have everlasting life. His name shall be Everlasting Father. And how are we to understand this? Has the Son suddenly become the Father? No, the Son is not the Father. And the Father, of course, is not the Son. Although they are one God, both in essence and eternity, forever inseparable and indivisible, there is still always a discernment, a distinction between the persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. But the text here is not trying to teach us about the inner relationship within God. Rather, it talks about the relationship Jesus Christ has to us. It is to us that he is everlasting Father. So let us divide this in two and deal with the everlasting part and then with the Father part of that statement. Look at him and rejoice that he is everlasting. Jesus is the one who revealed himself to John, the apostle John at Patmos, and said that he was the one who is and who was and who is to come. He is the one about whom Solomon says when he speaks in the book of Proverbs. And let me just read to you from chapter 8. When there was no oceans, I was given birth. When there was no spring abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, 
Before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, was there, I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizons of the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the, found, uh, the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was a craftsman by his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Friends, believe not that God's Son once began to be he has been always from the beginning of all eternities. And we can praise him and we can exalt him because the very fact that although he is the son, that does not mean that he was born at a certain time or that he came to be in a certain generation. He has always been from eternities and he will be until eternities. Just like God, the Father, without beginning and without end. For Christ is, as we are reminded again by, by Paul, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Friends, God intended everything that it is, that is, that exists, to be Christ-shaped and Christ-focused. But not, always, not only has he always been, he is in all eternity the same. He lives. And it is because he lives that we can live, the Bible says. The book of Hebrews expresses it like this. See, I can find where I was. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without Sin. May I encourage you to turn to him, friends. On a Sunday like this, the one who at every time is always the same, the one who grants you mercy and grace always at the right time, in your time of need. And just like he has always been and always is, he is also the one who is 
always to come. He's eternal in all of his being, in all of his task, in all of his purposes, in all of his attributes, in all of his power, in all of his blessing. He is everlasting, eternal from before time began to after time has ended, even before and after eternity has begun and ended. May I ask you again, friends, can you rejoice over your Savior this morning? Is it possible still for your heart to be filled with wonder about the eternal one? He is not created. He is not born. He is not chosen. He is not a prophet among prophets. He is not a God among gods. He is the what? everlasting father the only true living God the one who was who is and is to come not that he is static always to say but that he is always everlastingly faithful loving trustworthy caring Guiding, God of gods and Lord of lords. But he's called Father also. How is it that he can be a father? How are we to understand that the Son is the Father? Well, let's look at scripture again. He's the father of all those who belong to him. Paul called Christ the second Adam. The first Adam is the father of all humanity. He was the father through whom all humanity were to be blessed had he remained obedient to God. But because of his disobedience, he became the one through whom all became sinners. The curse of the first Adam came upon us all. He was the representative head for all of us. He was the only person Representing humanity before God. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the heavens, came as a man and became now the only one who can represent us before God. And everyone who is a believer do not look to the first Adam as their father. They look to the second Adam, Jesus Christ, as their father. And just like the curse and the sin was introduced by the first Adam, forgiveness and grace is now introduced by the second Adam. Through him, paradise is reopened. Through him, we find a new peace. 
Through him, all pain and sorrow and miseries taken away. He's the firstborn of all those who are to be raised and to live eternally in God's presence. He's the perfect one through whom we shall be born again and rediscover what it means to be created in the image of God. Am I repeating myself if I ask you, can you be filled with wonder about the one who is the everlasting father? But he's also the father because he's the founder. This is a well-known theme throughout Scripture. Do you remember what it says? You may not. About Jubal in all the way back in the beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 4 that he became the father of all those who play harps and flute. Jabel became the father of all those who live in tents and keep livestock. These were the people who introduced and founded these things. And in the same way, Christ is the foundation for a brand new life, a brand new kind of righteousness. He brought life and immortality to light and introduced a whole new way of worshiping in spirit, and in truth. And he is indeed the father of all those who carry his name, Christ Jens. All who want to follow his word and his teaching. All who have become one of his. But he is the father not only because he was the first and only because he is the founder, also because he is a great giver of life. And let me round up with this, friends. Consider this. That it is through Christ that divine life power is brought to human souls. Think about this. I've said a lot in, in these few minutes but think deeply about this. It is through him and through his teaching and through his spirit and through his blood that life was given to those who are dead in their transgressions, transgressions and sins. The one who sits on the throne is the one who says, Behold, I make all things new. The Gospel of John is expressed like this. I tell you the truth. Jesus speaks here. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted it to the Son to have life in himself. Everything within us calls him Father. He is the beginning 
and the completion of our faith. We love him, and if we do, it's because he loves us first. When we stand firm in our faith and, and stay obedient in our surrender, it's because we think about him, about whom it's said that he was obedient, yes, even obedient until the cross. How shall we ever be able to express the beauty and the wonder and the glory of the one who creates a well of living water inside of us. Can you receive him today, friends? Can you? With his earnest plea from this one verse and actually these just two words. Can you receive him today? Allow yourself to be filled with his glory in a new way. To sit and wonder about his beauty and who he is. Paul says, the reality, the substance itself came in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Emmanuel, God with us, the one we await in this time of Advent is called what? Everlasting Father. In a time like ours, those two words should have deeper meaning and more significance and greater rooting in our lives than ever before. Can you rejoice with me over the one who is everlasting and who is the Father? Can you come to him even now? I know we don't have much of a tradition for that, but on a Sunday like this, what would be more powerful when we stand to sing in just a moment that you spend those time saying, I just want to sit and look, or come and kneel, something, and glance at the beauty of the one who is to come. Let him change your life. Let him change the culture of how you live. He's worth it, friends, because only he is everlasting. The true father of all those who belong to the Lord. Can we stand and I'll pray. Father, we have become so used to being on the run all the time, racing from one point to the next. And even in our sermons so oft, we're just rushing in a linear way, moving from here, learning this and moving on, and we rarely just stop just to wonder, to sit still and reflect on the beauty of the one we call everlasting Father.
Father, I ask that that will be the case this morning, that you would put a full stop sign up in front of us, say, stop for a moment and behold my son. There will be some in here that may need to do that for the first time. Their life has been a rush and they're doing all kinds of things and they're good things, but they have not stopped to consider who Jesus is, even in their own lives. Others of us just got used to kind of having him as part of whatever mix there is, but it's becoming an ever-decreasing part. Father, would you stub us, still us, to hear your voice. Bring us back to the deep study, Father, of who you are, your son as you revealed yourself through him. And Father, there are those here this morning, I know that needs to find a place where they continually can be taught and be part of teaching who this everlasting Father is. May we be that community where people see that's what they are about, to sit at Jesus' feet and behold his glory. We ask these things, Father, and we bring this call to everyone here to come to you for the first time, to rededicate themselves again, or to come be part of your community in this place. Will you move in our hearts even now as we sing? Amen and amen.